I am unashamed. What about you? Now, what's crazy is all the things that have happened so far in 2020, people forget. It's not really about the past anyway, because you can't change it. We survived up to this point, but we are on the threshold of really the exciting part of the year. Yeah. I you mean, know, you, are you following me? Yeah, we're only days away yeah. from from enjoying the fruit of our labor to see exactly where we went wrong and where we went right. We have an apparatus in place. We are waiting right now, and they've already begun their journey. If you get a hurricane coming in from the Gulf of Mexico and it's moving north and and the winds are 150 miles an hour. Yep. Within one week, we have a duck season coming up. You only can shoot teal, small ducks, green-winged teal, blue-winged teal, cinnamon teal. So we're on the threshold. We're on the edge right now, less than a week. This Saturday, we will be in the duck blind before daylight and waiting for the elusive blue-winged teal. Because of the hurricane that just came through blowing 150 miles an hour, the dynamics would be ducks are smart enough to say, let's go back north for a while. Let's get out of here. We're not going to be able to. They know. So the ducks all take off, and they went back north to escape 155 150-mile-an-hour wind. When they fly. Nothing flies in that. The birds are the first ones to say, time to go. So they leave. Well, I think they push back north somewhat. No doubt. Because you remember the last time we hunted in a hurricane, there were teal. It was the most teal I've probably seen. There were swarms of teal. They moved back north from because Lake Charles, Louisiana, Cameron Parish, that's the best teal hunting state uh, uh, parishes in Louisiana. They get a lot of teal. They're coming by them. Some will stay for the winter. Most fly on across the Gulf and go into the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. That's where they winter. So they'll bounce off drilling platforms. You know, they get tired. They'll yeah. try to light on a drilling platform. Some of them, you know, get old. they're old in the age and whatever. But the blue-winged teal, not much for eating. A lot of fun to hunt and all that. We do cook them. We'll dress up some of them, give them to some people who uh, they never get ducks. I mean, you know, the poor and whatnot. So we'll, 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 we'll filter that out in our culture, give them some ducks. They'll Have you ever it. figured out why the green wing is so much better tasting than a blue wing? It's a good question. Does that have more fat on it? No. no. I mean, they the, both but have But the blue fat. wing have a distinct smell. But I think it's the blue wings just in our area because some people have said, I mean, blue wings are awesome. We we ate some blue wings in South Texas. Remember when the guy cut them in half? They were good. Oh, they were good. Is it more of a gamey flavor? The, the teal we not? get, they they the aroma that comes off from them. I'm not Musty. being unkind here. I'm just being honest. It has the smell of a sewer pond. Mm. It may be because ducks that get out of here in Louisiana. They may be going and lighting on sewer ponds. Is the reason <laughs> they smell like sewer ponds. Yeah, I'm out on but that. But you say, well, we'll put enough. Uh, a citrus in there and put them in an ice chest and we'll we'll put a you know a bottle of wine we'll put citrus we'll put pineapple we'll put oranges lemons we'll soak them for 24 hours it's just hard some cajun may may can explain it to us but it's hard to get a blue wing to to rid the 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 pot of gumbo of that particular aroma but i've seen them do it i've seen them take a bucket what they'll do in south louisiana and they will put all the things he just named yeah in a bucket and i mean they just keep they just keep shoveling it in there and i'm like these must have been musty yeah mm. but by the time this airs i will have dove season will have opened so i will what is the limit 12 or 15 this year 12 12 so i will have eaten 12 doves i'll cook them on the grill mhm and they're they're kind of appetizers so i'll Dove oh. dove wraps. Yeah, they're is, great. Is a, oh, they're oh, very good. One of my wife's yeah. favorite thing to eat. I mean, she's she's happy at least for a week, no matter what the circumstance. Mm. After the doves hit the table, yeah, I mean they're tasty morsels. The most consumed duck 
Huh. The most cons- consumed bird on the planet are, in fact, ducks. More ducks are eaten than chickens, turkeys, especially when you leave the United States. Ducks is number one. Number one. So the, the a lot world, of those, a lot of those are, eat more ducks. Yeah, than a lot of those are farm raised. So they got a That's lot right. more fat on them. That's like right. The, the, the ducks you guys are killing are. Well, there's no yeah. fat. Well, well, sometimes depending on their diet. I mean, they'll, you get a lot of them. They're just fat as they can be. We Not all, like you would get. First like thing a we do when we duck. kill a duck is we feed them and we say these ducks are fat. They're good. They're heavy. We've killed ducks that have so much fat that when they hit the water, they bust. Yeah, they, they I mean, bust. Bust the fat. They're so so. It just depends on the year. Now here, the last couple proper of years, English would say they burst, but you know bust. <laughs> Well, you have redneck. a master's in English. Well, I have a master's saying. in Redneck yeah. Bill USA. But we don't want so. them to think we're a bunch of rednecks sitting up down here, you know. No, no I know. No, that's not I don't mind. I am. I embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did just embrace that. Yeah. I mean, this is the culture we live in. You yep. can't. You can't. So escape we won't. It. We won't miss a day. Maybe early Sunday morning on a few, few couple of weeks. We may miss Sunday morning. May not. May hunt about eight. Yeah. And go on up there, you know. Uh, meet with the brothers but uh but duck season to us it's like uh you know you can't miss it we, we're prepared the ammo it's, the, it's, the guns therapy, the paperwork and all that we're ready to go the blinds are brushed we've already done all that we have a great crop coming for regular duck season but the teal just moved through you'll see them today a lot of them tomorrow you might not see a duck wait three days you'll get another little burst of them they, they, they're migrating from the Canadian prairies all the way to the Yucatan Peninsula. So we follow them all the way and keep up with them, you know. And we, But it, it starts a chain of events. You got the doves, teal, then it goes to squirrel, yep. deer. What's next? Turkey. No, that's in the spring. We begin to unload uh, any of our freezers that we've kept. We try to eat ducks within a few months after we kill them. Yeah. But some last on into the this time of year. But uh, we'll give those to the people who need them. So they're, they're fine. But we just say, well, we got fresh ones coming. So no need to have them in the freezer. We just keep us a supply in, in our freezer that we eat like gumbos. And first one thing. Well, Phil that. does that. I, I eat them. I'm not a big freezer of. Yep. I don't. I don't like. Everything's freezing. better if you don't freeze it. I like them in a gumbo or like a dressing. I'm not a, a duck. I don't know. I've just never. I can see why people don't like them. That's the one thing my wife. She just never has embraced because she's like, oh, is it? but she does like a green wing teal. Yeah. I mean, a green wing teal cooked like a dove when on the grill, which I like them best on the grill. I have no problem with that. We make the little duck wraps. On well, the very good. The deal with the duck wraps, though, when you get the, the jalapeno. They're wrapped in bacon, and you yeah. have, like, Philadelphia cream cheese in the middle. The They're seasoned pretty good. Jalapeno. Well, just think about that. You, you you take a jalapeno and bacon and Philadelphia cream cheese, you put that on a just a piece of two before you wrap anything it actually would be not bad that's that's my (laughs) point you're you're not eating duck anymore well that's right i'll agree like a deer tastes better and like i mean i've always made a joke about willie he's always been a deer hunter and people are like well how come he's not a duck hunter i mean he's the owner of duck commander i'm like have you seen his body type he just looked at a deer and looked at a duck and said there's more to eat on a deer it would shock (laughs) it would shock it would shock America if they looked into our menus once the hunting season starts on how many yeah. types of birds and fish and and you know ducks and squirrel animals and you know doves squirrels you know, if if they Snipe. looked at our menu and they saw how much wild game we ate I, I say we like it better because we know that there's not any kind of a shots to enhance some antibiotics and all yeah. this stuff that people put in meat processing with us we just eat them right out of the wild that's about as organic as you're going to get oh no doubt. we no. literally kill them to eat well you've spent a lifetime also honing your skill on how to how to i mean your whole the whole family has spent you know a lifetime honing the skill on how to cook wild game and it's got the it's gotten, whole deal about cooking is you have to be you hold people accountable you have to be transparent. You can't get your feelings hurt. It, it has to be critiqued. It has to be. It has to be accountability. You critique it and Look, you say. It, it took 30 years with my wife to get to that point. Yep. 
and that's where I'm at now. A lot of people. She, she uh, has arrived. She's one of the greatest cooks I know. Yep. The first 20 years, we call those the oh. Trail of Tears. <laughs> yep. but, these, these top <laughs> chefs, they, had it, they have it figured out. They get 10 of them together once a month. They pick out a certain uh, uh, meat, cut of meat that they're going to cook. Everyone has their own way to cook it. So all 10 of them will cook it. They'll all sit at a table. They have these numbered, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, And they all eat it. They eat. Each one of them eat what the other ones are fixing. Same piece of meat, you know, pork loin. So how to cook a pork loin. Ten people get together. They all cook it with their seasons and all. Everybody gets together, and they eat it all. And they say, well, what do you think? Uh, I'm number three. Who, who, who won the contest? Which one was the best? And when the majority says number six, number six was the best restaurant, bah, who was that? Bob. Bob, how did you fix that? Now they want to inquire about why Bob's is the best. You are critiquing it. The rest of them, they didn't quite make the cut. But the number one, if the majority says that's the way to cook a pork loin, you've critiqued it, you've eaten it, everyone's happy. Nobody. Got All of them were edible. Hurt. All of yeah. them were edible. But some say, well, this is a little too much. And then the person who said, yeah, if you'd have left off this particular season, I think it would have been better. You begin to critique it. Some women can't handle that. They just, ha, ha, ha. Well, it's not just women. Uh, men either. Yeah. Men too. Uh, well, yeah. So that's why people, the restaurant business is so big. And that's why there's a lot of people out there eating bad food. Because the possibility, especially in our culture, of hurting someone's feelings. Yeah is a greater important than eating well. Yeah. So I've Dogs told- are a good barometer when no one in the house could actually eat what, what I prepared. No one can eat it, including me. I'm like, whew, boy, I, I, you I, took I, a I, wrong bombed, turn. I bombed yeah. out on that one. Well, throw it in the yard, and everybody, needs, everybody goes to the door, and they're watching to see what the dogs do. If the dogs walk up and then they run off, you say, even the dogs won't eat it. That's when that's a bad batch. You, you don't need to do that again. Change something. Huh? Change something. Even the dogs turn it down. I like that's, that. That's bad cooking there. Now you're going to implement that into your household. You try to eat it first. If you can't, see if the dogs eat it. You could throw the cats in too. But if they can't eat it, if they turn their nose to it, you say, I'm not going to do that again. Nothing likes it. That's a good litmus test right there. I mean, the problem I see, we'll have guests in, if they're not from Louisiana, they think all our food is too spicy. Yep. And I just say, get you something to drink because this is better than, I mean, even like our beans and rice. It can be overdone, but food, food for the most part, further north you run, in other words, you begin to explain to people there's more into seasoning than ketchup. Yeah. There's other seasonings available, well, but all y'all, ketchup. ketchup is as strong yeah. as you go. Most well, people, though, use ketchup. The reason ketchup is such a what it is is because they're trying to mask what they're eating. Most of the food I prepare, the last thing I would want to do is slop a bunch of ketchup on it. I mean, I, I, I like ketchup. Yeah, you want to accentuate the flavor. Well, right. Yeah. I'm like, when I'm eating a steak, I, when I see somebody take their steak, they'll cut it and then Dip it in some ketchup? No. I think that old boy don't know how to grill a steak. <laughs> That's no. the last thing I'd do. And they're just doing it out of habit. People are funny, funny, funny about eating. You know, now they have the commercial. They shipped them some food, ready to eat. And she took a bite of the chicken. She's like, oh, my goodness. We don't have to cook anymore. We don't have to cook. We just buy it in. We don't have to cook yeah. anymore. They're jumping up and down. Cooking to them is a scourge. They got a little old apartment somewhere way up in a high yeah, rise. They have in New all York. these weight loss things that look basically they're not telling you how to lose weight. They're selling a bunch of crappy food that is about unedible and it's so bad that you don't eat much of it. Damn. And they're like, you'll lose weight. And Let, people pay that. Let's take a break. I don't know if you know this or not, but the average American has 97 points that they can add to their credit score, but they have no idea how to get them, how to get their score and how to get it up. So this, this, uh, one of our partners, ScoreMaster, it's a, it's a new, uh, they call themselves a credit science that boosts your credit score. 
Um, the reason why the uh, let me say this first: the average score master user raises their credit score sixty-one points in twenty days or less. That's sixty-one points. Uh, the reason why it matters is because your credit score is linked to the to the the, the uh, type of interest rate you get on your loan. It's also linked to your insurance rates and everything. So you want a good credit score. If you don't have a good credit score, you're going to pay dearly for it. So what about the few that? Like myself, I don't owe anyone anything. So where do I fit in there? <laughs> well, you probably have paid your bills on time in the past, so you probably now my have. electric bill it's coming. So yeah. they say, but as far as like owing money to someone, yeah. zero. Yeah, so but I, most people, I would say, do not have your income status. So most, uh, yeah, most most people would, would would have a mortgage. They would have bills. They would have they'd have to pay. Okay. Um, so a person like like one of our listeners, for example, if you could raise your score sixty one points, you could save about a hundred thousand dollars over the life of your loan on average. That's a lot of money, um, and the, the, just just in the interest rate savings. So if you own a business, uh, you know how essential credit is from getting loans to fund your projects to financing equipment. So go to ScoreMaster first and see how super boosting your business credit score can save you a fortune. Uh, Scoremaster puts you in control of your finances, not the bank. So enroll, enrolling just takes a minute. You can see how many plus points Scoremaster can add to your credit score. So visit scoremaster.com slash Phil. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Phil. That's good. <laughs> no, that's what they do. That, 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 somebody was sitting at a bar probably and said, look, let's do this. Let's sell a bunch of crappy food to people. That way, they don't have to cook. They don't. And then care. they won't. They can't eat much of it because it's just bad. Now we don't want to make them sick or anything. You know, we'll make sure it's okay. And then they won't eat as much, and they'll lose weight. And so we'll package it around losing weight. And and pretty people, slick. I think they'll go for it, and they do. It's a slick trick. They're like, we'll send you the food. I'm like, I'm tell you right now, that's no good because you're sending a package under the idea of losing weight and people do it that's fine. i've noticed that if you eat good food and you're active it's not a problem you gotta you gotta be you, active i mean phil yeah phil you don't necessarily eat the healthiest but you're you're 70 what, how, sure how he does i would say over 50 percent of what he eats was some kind well, of wild game. But I'm saying by the by the state, he eats butter, he eats, I mean, he eats carbs. You've been I mean, reading too many articles. If, no, if butter is bad for you. It's only bad. I'm saying his lifestyle. I'd have been though, dead a long time oh, ago. But you move a lot. I mean, you're on the land every yeah. single day. I mean, you like you said, you had uh, a couple I weighed episodes. last night. I'm six, six foot three inches tall, weigh yeah. 172 pounds. But I'm just telling. There's some. There's some foods You're that still, he's look a, that that are you, you, they're they're deal breakers. You know, butters want any diet that excludes butter. I will. I, I'm out on that. Yeah. Do cut something else. What about, you gotta what, have, what about white rice? White rice. Did you cut that? I've eaten thousands well, doesn't, of doesn't pounds butter, of white rice. Doesn't butter butter come from cow's milk? I yeah. remember my mother. She had the churn. They'd put the milk in the churn, and she's still like this. And 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 she's going to save that milk after, and the cream rises to the top. And through that, we had sweet milk, had that in the ice box. It wasn't a refrigerator. It was not hooked up to any any wires. It was just a ice, and you put a b- block of ice in there, 25-pound block of ice. It stayed there for a week. Go get you another one uptown a couple of miles, put put a block in there, and that's where you had your cheese, your milk, and your butter. Well, all that was coming from the one cow down there in the pasture. They'd get him up there, and they'd milk the cow, get her up there, and they'd milk the cow, take the butter in. Yeah. So you got your sweet milk out of that, then you got your butter, churned butter. You, you cream rises to the top, as they say. If you want to whip cream, you get that cream. Whip it a little bit with a little sugar. You got whipped cream. So a cow's milk is where butter comes from. I'm thinking, how how dangerous could it be? Cow's milk? <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, infants it's, are it's, there. You know, they're giving cow's milk, and it, they it's, they're it's surviving. Dangerous in combination with a sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, but see, in our world, they've come up with an article where basically people going around they're just eating little roots and an occasional nut. And you look at them, and they look pale, and they just don't. There was meat hanging in a little cabin, a log cabin, 
we lived in a log cabin, homemade house. And, you know, there were cracks in the sides, but we didn't care. One fireplace, no gas, heat, none of that, no TV, no cell phone, nothing, none of that. Well, that one had one little radio. Of, one little radio about that long. You could catch Matt Dillon and Chester on the radio. You know, Chester, you know, we got a good idea. They'd have horses. On, on sound effects to make them think they're riding up there, you know, and here comes the outlaws. No one ever got killed and, and <laughs> ever. There was no blood ever shed. Every once in a while, they would shoot the gun out of your hand, but nobody was ever injured. You know, you don't want to go that far. That'd been too brutal. I came out of that, and I'm looking at what I'm now looking at, yeah. and I'll be honest with you, I'll be glad to get out of here. Yeah, it's getting pretty well, I'm looking forward to effects. getting out of this place. You're looking yeah. for the light. Hey. Yeah. But you, you're naming things that I think are non-negotiable. I, I eat a lot of butter. I eat a lot of rice. I'm, I'm not. Would you call me skinny? Yeah, you're pretty skinny. Yeah, so that's not the problem. Uh, you have that. You got genetics. So look at Willie. Look at myself. I mean, like we're like Jeff. We all kind of have a little bit okay. more of the, we're eating the, the same, meaty side. We're eating the same thing. So to change the pace, a I little just bit. think there's there larger quantities. Now look, where I don't eat a lot, I don't eat a lot of sweets, stuff like that. I mean, I will, but yeah. not a lot of it. But then, you know, if you eat a cream cheese pie every day, guess what? You're gonna have trouble getting through a door at yep. some point. That I can see, but putting butter on your corn. No, that's not a problem. I'm not saying take a stick of butter and just put it down the hatch, <laughs> but I'm going to butter my popcorn. When I see people that don't butter their popcorn, I'm thinking, well, that's dumb. <laughs> be way better if you put a little butter on it. You just don't want to get so big that you can't get through the door. Yeah, if you that's, can't get through the door, then start cutting uh, things. But the last things I would cut would be butter and rice. That's out. Yep. That Well, I'm saying that'd be the last things. To go, I mean, it's just crazy that you milk, mentioned two two things: that milk I would... and grain, butter and rice. Milk and grain, done done responsibly. You'll be all right. Yeah, you you, you won't be heavy yeah. heavy now. So, so check this out. Right. Now, this is a let me let me let me, all you folks that are watching, just remember or listening just, or listening. Just remember this. If you if you want to get on and expand what you what you read, you want to expand it easily. We're in John twelve. So John twelve, verse thirty five, Jesus said, I'll show you how to do this. And it's to help you a lot when you study your Bible. Uh Jesus talking, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. He didn't stay but thirty three years. He's saying, I, I, well, he's already said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. So, so while, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. If it hadn't been for me, there would be darkness on the planet Earth the rest of the time planet Earth's here. However, I've shown up and I'm like a light. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. I see it in the streets of America every day. But it's basically saying that about everybody. If you have the earth and there was a one light switch, not the sun, but if there was one, because he's speaking metaphorically, but not really, he's like the light switch. So you don't, you don't turn that on, which is Jesus. It is the equivalent of, of wandering around in the dark. And every time I've ever done that, it's a miserable Occurrence. You Would have. You agree. You have. You have the great theme of the Bible throughout. You have darkness, which is evil, and you have light, which is good. Let's take a good break. and evil. Let's take a break. So I'm just showing them how to do this quickly. So you're reading this text in John twelve thirty five. Then then verse thirty says, was it thirty six? Thirty six. Put your trust in the light while you have it. He said, take advantage of, of me. Take advantage of me. Listen to what I say. I'm mistake-free. There's nothing I can't do. I can perform miracles, drive out demons. I can walk on water. I can do everything. I'm God. I made the cosmos. 
Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. Now, you look over there in verse uh, 44. He picks it up again. I have come, verse 46, I have come into the world as a light. Well, he's already said that in a few verses previous to that. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Now you say, well, how do you expand that type of thinking when it comes down to Jesus being the light of the world? You write down, as a remembrance, you write down John chapter 1. John, you write J-N, real small, right next to verse 46 because he's talking about light. Well, now I go back in the book of John and to show you how many times he's mentioned as light instead of darkness. So here's John chapter 1, verse 4. I just read from John 12. I put John 1 next to John 12 where I would know where to go to next. I go from John 12, 46. I go to John 1, verse 4 because I wrote, wrote it down. I look down there at that little writing and I have the little verse there. Now watch. In him was life when Jesus shows up. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Then and now, 2,020 years later, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, the light, all men might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light. Nope. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't tie his shoes. Nope. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives men, gives light to every man was coming into the world. Our calendar's documented. So we're discussing light. You say, well, what verse did you put next after you quoted John 12? You went back to John 1, 1 because you wrote John 1, verse, verse 4. You wrote that down where you could go back to it. Yeah, same, we're talking about the same matter, and the matter is light, the same concept. Well, now I wrote 3, verse 14. So you got John 3, 14. Which What's, is right before the famous verse in the Bible, 316. That is correct. And the, the, the worth of it is, after Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, whoever believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Watch. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Well, it's a 17, right? This is 17. Oh, you said 14. So yeah. Keep going. But to save the world. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, what's this? And, and by the way, John the apostle spoke more about the light of the world, Jesus, than any other writer. It stands out about his writing. I'm still over here in the in the Gospel of John, but but I'll show you in a minute how that jumps forth and it begins to appear in other places in the Bible. But right now we're just looking at this. This is the verdict. That means the verdict has already been rendered. Light's coming to the world. God showed up 2020 years ago. He's the light of the world. He'll save you. But here's the problem. Men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So they renounced him. They renounced him then, and they murdered him. But they're murdering him, saved the world. <laughs> but let, and, me, let me jump in here. And for, brought forth for, the sons of light, and you're like, yeah. well, man. Before you finish, let me just jump in here. The, if you think about being in the dark, you say, what happens when you're in the dark? Like, Physically. You're kind of feeling your way around. You're feeling yeah. your way around. Look, you and trip, you're stumbling. You trip over things. You fall. There's a fear and a panic that happens, especially if you hear something that's weird. You know, I've, I've ran before when I was younger 
you know, and a kid. Uh, it's tough the dark, when you can't see. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can't see. But now I think here one of the benefits from being in the dark is that you think nobody sees what you're doing. Yep. Which is why I think here he said men love darkness because their deeds were evil. The only positive you could think of was when nobody saw, you know, if you just keep this narrative going, nobody sees what I'm doing. So I kind of like it because my deeds are evil and nobody knows what I'm doing. I just wanted to interject. Well, that. It, and that depends on who you are. Cause I remember there was a game that we used to play when we were kids called blind man's bluff and y'all would turn the lights out mm-hmm. and then y'all would like put stuff in your pillowcases. Yeah. Like, and and they would, they, I mean, this is what your, your, your sons would do to me and Jeff, your older sons. And they would proceed to beat us with these pillows. And it was supposed to be a fun game. It's in the dark. You don't see where it's coming, but I mean, it's just, so it depends on what's in your, if you're on the receiving end of the punishment in the dark, it could be yeah. very fearful. I think the point is Jesus and John is saying this, but people have to have this moment of truth in their life that they realize they're in darkness. Yeah. I mean, that's his point. There's I'm, a light I'm 74 switch. and I love my brothers and sisters. Yeah. When I was before I became a child of the light, I didn't like Christian people. But once you saw I didn't it, want anything to do with them. I wanted to get away from them. But do you think it's because you were in darkness and you thought this is nobody really knows what I'm doing? Pretty well. I think the Holy Spirit has to illuminate your heart to the fact that you are in darkness. I think about this metaphor, particularly when you were mentioning how you, you know, I, I woke up several times in a hotel room. And I, and for whatever reason, I was in such a deep sleep. I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know. I, maybe I'm traveling or whatever. You wake up, you're like, where? And, you, and you're trying to feel your way around. And it's what you said. It's like panic mode because you don't know where you're at. You have no context for where you're at, where I'm at, where well, you can't see anything. And you, you stumble around. And then all of a sudden, you, you see that sliver of light under the door. And, and 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 it gives you that context to your to where you're at, and you can begin to make meaning again. So I think a lot of this this metaphor of the light, when we're talking about Jesus, is Jesus brings a context to our existence that you cannot make sense of the world until he until you can. And, and, and it, it just takes a little sliver that I think comes from the illumination. Of the Spirit. I I ran from Jesus. For 28 years, I ran from him, away from him. I ran away from the light, away from the light. Watch. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. I was there. One of the reasons I gave everybody the <laughs> the uh, the carnage and Ever since I came to Jesus, I, I, I was quick to say, this is where I've been. I've been high, getting laid, getting drunk, running. I'd tell them. I'd tell them over and over and over. I was, I was coughing it up. I made sure they knew that before I went any further talking to them in the Bible. I would make sure they knew. I've been where you are. I've been there. I've been there, and I've done that. Let's take I it. told them over and over and over and over. Let's take a quick break. To this day, and when somebody like, you know, my long-lost daughter steps out of the past, I said, yep, I didn't know she was coming, but I know exactly where she came from, my sinful behavior. So uh, they won't come into the life for fear of the deeds, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen, and this is critical, it's very important, so that it may be seen plainly. You look at people's behavior and you say, I'm looking at pre-Jesus behavior, and it's a nightmare as far as I can tell, but they've got it kind of hidden so you really don't know what they're up to. They're trying to disguise it best they can. But but don't you think that's what he's saying? It, once you come into the light, you are now honest about your mistakes, moving 
from the past and forward. And a good word well, to, would, to, to, uh, to enforce your point, it's the difference between night and day. Well, hold on. I mean, it's it's. But think about this: the the, the verse twenty one in John three actually puts puts the honesty before the light because he says, "He who practices the truth comes to the light." And so I think that because that's that's the question as you guys are talking about this. I'm thinking somebody's listening right now and they're in darkness. What would you say to somebody who's in darkness and can't see it? And I would say that if you want to see the light, you got to love the truth first. Yeah. If you don't uh, love the truth, you're yeah. not going to see the light. It's You'll what never sets see you it. free. So, so, but, but if somebody said, "Well, what's the truth?" What would you say? Well, then I would go back to Jesus. Well, who's that's the right. light? <laughs> so, said, "I am the truth, yeah. the way." That that's why these little details about Jesus's personality and life, to me, that is the truth. Because you're not gonna. Most people who are in darkness, they've manipulated the system in their mind going on. Number one, they don't even think they're in darkness. Because a lot of people, if you bring up Jesus, they're like, "Well, you, what are you talking about? I, I, my life, you know, I, my life's great." And that's why I like going to church, and and they, they go up there for an hour or two, and then they say, and everybody's acting pretty good. It's like everybody's in the light, but no one, <laughs> no one really knows what's going on. The other six days, when they walk out that door and they go over to their job, you got to remember. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Yeah. Whoever lives by it, you say it's twenty four seven. Who you are, wherever yeah. you are, it has to be there, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So the bottom line is, when somebody runs upon the three of us, one at a time or as a group, when they walk away. They may say a lot of things. They may not like us. They may not. But one thing they can't say, they can't say they live like heathens. They're out. They're looting. They're burning. They're shooting. They're upping people. They're, ah, yeah, yeah. they're mean to their neighbor. No, I didn't see anything like that coming out of that bunch. I didn't see it. What would you see? He said, well, they kind of were really into Jesus Christ. Uh, I heard no profanity. And I stayed with them a month. I duck hunted with them. I was around there. They weren't bad mouthing people. They weren't gossiping. They wasn't they didn't seem to hate anybody. Well, once they see that, they're like, "What? Uh, what? What? How do you do that?" I've asked them. Any one of them, we converted people because they didn't hear us cursing. They said, "Why not?" I'm like, "I'll show you." You point them to Jesus. You point them to the light. All of a sudden, they're like, "My goodness." I never, never heard that story before. But even that's in, why you don't cuss. You yeah. say that's why we don't. But cuss. even in mistakes, look, I was playing a card game a while back, and there's a guy who I brought to the Lord, or you know, God used me. This guy's been a faithful brother, and he was involved in a in a hand with a guy who I'm not sure of his of his faith because I didn't know him very well. But their tempers flare. And they got an argument about something. And the guy who loves Jesus, you know, just kind of lost it. And I was thinking, this is not good. I mean, he 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 was he was the guilty party. Said some things he shouldn't have said. Used some language he shouldn't have said. Yep. So I thought, now how's it? How, this is a terrible example. And I was thinking, now how am I going to confront this guy? Because this is bad. And about the time I was thinking that. It's like a light switched on in his mind. Like, what am I doing over a card game? Is and he just stopped, apologized, took all the wrong, said, "You know, I was completely wrong. I apologize," which is very hard for a grown man to do, especially when you're playing games with other men. And to me, I thought. And so after it was over, he sent me a text said that was a terrible example. And I said, you know what? You handled that. Yeah, it was you were wrong. I, I did say that. I said, but you handled that like we do, which is the opposite of what the world does. And I thought, even though he messed up and he said a few things that he shouldn't have said, that that's what happens in life. Yep. But then he took responsibility. And I thought, you know, if somebody to me thought it was more impressive on the way he handled it, but he basically lived out this 
this verse, it hit him that the truth of the matter was he was acting like an idiot, like the old self that we buried. Yep. Then he took ownership of it. He apologized. And I thought, no, what, what happened, what happened through God? Cause only the forgiveness that he experienced in Jesus and which, to me, that was living is, in the light. I mean, it's not freedom. only our lives are different, yes, but even when we do make a mistake, which to me, it was a minor mistake. Guys would be guys. With it. They, you know, we're competitive, yep. and he just lost his cool over something that was so silly and stupid. That's what everyone needs to understand. There'll be mistakes made when you're walking in the light. You'll make some mistakes, but when they're, you do what that guy did, said, you know what, mm. my bad, my bad, you said... That's walking in the light. He gets it. So that's the way it'll be. So look, from there, so we started in in, uh, John 12. I wrote a little verse down on John 1, verse 4 and following. Now I I read John 3, verse verse, uh, 16 and following. Still talking about the same topic, light. So you say, what's the next verse you're going to go to? Hold that. Hold that one, Phil, for for the break. So I wrote down John 8, 12, just to show you how many times the light is mentioned when it comes to Jesus. John 8, 12, uh, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a statement. You're like, Man. Which is what's weird was my point that he didn't say you're not ever going to make another mistake. You'll never walk in darkness. It There's a difference in making mistakes in Jesus and making mistakes. And being quick out, to outside. ask for forgiveness. Well, but he's just, you're in the light. What's happening, the forgiveness and the grace that we yep. get to experience. It, to me, it goes back, you remember when Cain killed Abel, there's a statement, I think it's like Genesis 4, 12, when he's basically being separated from God, he summed it up, there's a sentence at the end of verse 12, it says, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And it makes me think about that darkness. And he was warned, sin is crouching at your door. And you think, what do people do outside of Jesus? They're restless, restless wanderers on the earth. That's what you do outside of Jesus. Now, you might think, oh, I'm headed toward retirement. I'm headed for financial security. I'm headed for a promotion. Or I'm going to, you know, sleep with every woman in the world. You know, I mean, your aspiration. But basically, outside of Jesus, the, the only thing that you can do is wonder restlessly. And and there's an end to that. I mean, I think you look at what's going on in our culture, Portland and all these areas right now, the end result is just complete and utter darkness and chaos. And you, you, I mean, there's, there's no context. I mean, I read, I read, I'm reading the book right now and the author said, this was written before all this that's happening, but he was talking about different protest movements in the last five, 10 years. And he says about the protesters, they won't take yes for an answer which I thought was interesting. And what he means yeah. is there's nothing, there's no end to this. There's no, there's no context. There's no meaning. There's no truth. It's just, it's just a free for all. Yeah. I think where we're at, what, the, what I'm thinking and what you're bringing up is, is when people say, well, you need Jesus. Well, the world, they're like, what does that mean? They don't know what you mean. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. And so what we're doing, but what Phil is sharing by reading the red letters of Jesus, in this case, light, you're, you're starting to get a picture of what was Jesus exactly trying to, why, why is he the light of my world? Not the world, because he is the world, but at some point it gets into my world. And you're like, well, without Jesus, how am I just wrestling in, in darkness? And so, so you start looking at your decisions that you're making and where the direction of your life, what's important to you, what you give your time to and your energy to and what moves you and what your dreams are. And well, they're, they all are going to have a dead end that it's, it's not going to be fulfilling. You say, well, well, but I think it is. 
And that's when you get into the truth. Because could it be possible that you're you're believing in a lie that somehow or another, if you make millions of dollars, that you're going to be happy? Which is why it, yeah. just a few chapters later, which I'm, I wish I was going to be here for this because this is my favorite four chapters of the Bible is or three chapters, four, John 14 through John 17. He, he introduces cool. the Holy Spirit as the one who delivers us into all truth. And yeah. so there's the, now we have the third member of the Trinity. Jesus has said, I'm leaving, but trust me, it's good that I'm leaving because he's coming, the counselor. And yep. when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. And John 17 says we're sanctified by the truth because what I think the light is, it is a, it, it's flipping on the light and giving clarity to reality particularly in showing all these ways that are leading to a dead end and then highlighting the way, which is Jesus, which leads to life, which is why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then you're right. You get to the Spirit, which we really haven't gotten to in detail, because really you can't fix your—you you can't get out of the darkness. I mean, you were in there. You said, why don't you just get out of it? Quit acting like an idiot, because, I mean, you're— what? Wrong escape hatch. <laughs> yeah, but, but something happened. But One person. So you're introduced to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, you surrender. Everything changed. And the Holy Spirit yeah. comes in, and all of a sudden, you turn into a different person. Everything changed. Then that's you look how, back and say, what That's why you, now it's so critical to, for people to understand. You see Jesus through the power of the Spirit yes. in his people. Yes. You, you, you look up, you say, whoa. That one seems a little bit strange. What's what's their deal? Well, then when they sit down and hear the rest of the story, they said, "I am beginning and, to see." And and in in by the Spirit and in, in the words that He's written in the Bible, and yep. by the inner conviction and testimony that the Spirit, John sixteen says, He will convict the world of guilt. He the, when you had the moment, and when I had a moment in my life where I was convicted of my guilt, and I was like, "Whoa, I'm in darkness." I didn't come to that conclusion on my own. God revealed that to me in that yep. moment, and I had to respond to his revelation by either saying, no, nah, I think I'm going to quench that. That's why run. I had all these people write that down. Well, so look, you started in, in John 12, then we've been back to John 1, then we got on John 3, then we got in John eight twelve. Well, you say, well, what verse did you put when you left John 12? I wrote down there chapter 9, verse 5. We just read it. You say, I mean, uh, this was chapter 8. Verse 12, 8, 12, you say, what's the next one you wrote down? And you want to look at the subject light, Jesus being the light, the light. What does it mean? So I wrote down there chapter 9, verse 5. So I turn a page. While I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. In other words, we, we're at the point where the, 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 they found the blind guy, and they said, well, no, he did this. Jesus said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Here's the light talking. Let me shed a little light on what you're wondering about. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The work of God being displayed in his life, that's for all of us. You think about it, you say, they see the work of God displayed in our life. And it's light. It's you pointing them to the light, to the light. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. You say, where did you go next? I go back to where I started. I wrote down right there, little bitty letters, John 12, verse 35. And now I'm back to where we started. You say, so how do I leapfrog from the gospel of John if I want to know some more about light? Well, I wrote down there, First John. I didn't have to be specific on where I was going in First John because I, I've read First John a lot. Well, the whole so, the whole book is yeah. about. So walking John the Apostle the not light. only did he write the Gospel of John, and he's talking about Jesus being the light of the world. When Jesus dies, is buried, is raised from the dead. John recorded that, and then they said, "Well, what happened after that?" Well, John got around to writing. First John, Second John, and Third John, and watch. Yeah. You say, well, well, I wonder what he had to say when he got. Well, to- they'll, they'll they'll have to read it because 
we're we're running short of time. We're really out of time, but I wanted to say this one thing. Read First John then, chapter one. Read that on how many times light is mentioned. You're like, good night. Then throw on top of that Ephesians chapter two. There are many more, but just that. And and Ephesians four. Ephesians four, I meant four and five. Ephesians four. But I wanted to say something because I think to bring all this together, something Zach mentioned. One of the one of the ways you can see the light of God in your life is the presence of freedom. And he, he mentioned this text, but I just want to read it. A lot of us, when we think, why well, I'm not in darkness out there, or how do I know that I'm in darkness? It was, it was written in second Corinthians three, that the, the biggest thing causing the darkness is that we have a mask, a veil over, you know, our heart and, and eyes when it comes to who Jesus is. And, Look what Paul said when he says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, which is what we were just talking about. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, which is the opposite of what people in the darkness think following Jesus is. They think it's a bunch of rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. It's the opposite. Oh, it's true freedom. And then it says, and we who with unveiled faces, because we can see the Lord, all reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, we'll we'll end with that. Just uh, three quick things. Make sure you guys are subscribing to our uh, iTunes channel or iTunes podcast or whatever podcast app you use. Also, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there as well. And if you're not a Blaze subscriber and you want to get uh, behind-the-scenes content that you won't get anywhere else, and also Mark Levin, Lynn Beck, and a host of other uh, folks, uh, go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. That's blazetv.com slash unashamed, and you guys could get 10 bucks off with the fill code. Um, so uh, go there and check us out, and see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.